Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate, weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 191 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Welcome to the Stargate Oral History Project. Thanks so much for being with me today on this Monday. Steve Mikaj is joining us for this episode, and we're going to talk about his career, Colonel Makepeace, and treason and betrayal and juicy villains that you just love to sink your teeth into. Before we get really uh, into this, I'd uh, like you to uh, consider uh, clicking the like button. It makes a difference with YouTube and will help the show continue to grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with the Star Stargate friend, and if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next few uh, days and weeks on thegateworld.net and uh, Dial the Gate YouTube channels. As this is a live episode, we have Steve joining us right now, so if you are in the live chat, go ahead and submit your questions over to Anthony. And he will get them over to myself, and I will relay them to Steve. Steve Makaj, Colonel Makepeace on Stargate SG-1. Thank you. Is it Makaj? Did I pronounce that right? It's Makai, actually. Makai, excuse me. Doesn't I, look it, like Makai. Doesn't look like Makai with that J there on the end. But uh, that's how we've pronounced it since uh, since I was born. Uh, <laughs> Well, now, it sounds like a Scottish name. Mackay is a Scots name, M-C-K-I-E or M-A-C-K-A-Y. But the J, it's actually Polish. My father was oh. Polish. And I heard, I don't know if it's true or not, I, I didn't verify it, that the Scots, uh, 100, 200 years ago, were imported to Poland to help them mine coal. So perhaps oh. it was originally Scottish, Policized, and I don't know if that's true, but Anyway, my mother's Slovak. My father was Polish, so it's Mackay. So, are, are you are you uh, f- from Canada originally? Are you Canada born, I or are you immigrated? Yeah. I was born in in Hamilton, Ontario, okay. Canada. My mother came from Slovakia. Okay, and my father he was Canadian born, but his parents were from Poland. Wow. All right. Was there any yeah. acting or creative? Crea- where Where did the acting impulse come for you, Steve? Where did the creative impulse come for you? Is it from well, family, or did they did they cultivate oh, it for you? Oh, definitely from family, and it was a very strong impulse uh, because my mother's brother, who also came from Slovakia in nineteen was it thirty nine. Steve, his name was, and they were <laughs> farmers. They were peasant farmers in uh, Slovakia. And came to Canada to farm as well. And my uncle, Steve, a farm boy growing up just outside of Hamilton in a place called Linden, decided that he wanted to be an actor. And he told my old country gra- grandparents, his parents, that, that he was going to Hollywood to be an actor. And they didn't know what he was talking about. He went and uh, became very famous, actually. And he is the main driver and reason behind why I uh, became an actor, because his influence was so powerful in my life. He, in the 60s, going back to shows like The Virginian, Bonanza, Gunsmoke, 
I Dream of Jeannie, yeah. Madigan, Mission Impossible, Star Trek. He was a very prominent character on Star Trek. Who was Lord he in Star Gar- Trek? Lord Garth. He was Lord Garth. Oh, of Izar. Uh, of Izar. Yes, oh, Lord Garth of Izar yeah. in an episode called Whom Gods Destroy. And so Uncle Steve... Uh, was on the TV uh, so often for me as a child growing up, watching him uh, was very impactful. And then when he'd come home at Christmas, back to the farm or Easter, there he was, bigger than life, Uncle Steve. And uh, <laughs> it couldn't help but uh, plant seeds in my heart. And uh, so when I became, uh, I actually studied film and television for, for a couple of years, but the call to acting was too strong and I... Uh, ventured off into that in Toronto back in 1984. Was there a lot of, you know, you're not going to make a lot of money in this business or was it, well, uncle Steve can do it. So, so can you, or was it a little bit of both? There were, there were warnings and there was a little bit of both. Funny. You should say that there was a little bit of both. They knew how, you know, hard it could be, although he did very well. Unfortunately, consequently, he, he passed away at 37 years old in France. In Con France of a heart attack, he was uh, found wow. in the bathtub there with a movie that he wrote, produced, directed, starred in. Oh. Ed Asner was in the movie, who was a good friend of his. Arthur O'Connell, an actor back in that day, was in it. He financed it. He took it there to uh, sell it. And uh, wow. he uh, was found uh, dead dead in the bathtub, unfortunately. And, um, and uh, so... They, my, my parents, my grandparents knew it was, uh, you know, not altogether an easy life at yeah. times. It was difficult. Yeah. Uh, however, his fan club, um, who would show up at Christmas and Easter, they, um, the lady who headed it, when I announced that I was going to walk in his footsteps, um, she really uh, encouraged me to do so. And wow. so I had a bit of both. Yeah. Wow. I did not yeah. realize that it ran so, so strong through your family. You know, we, I, at least, uh, try not to, but often take for granted the the building blocks that make up my identity and who I am and how much, right. it's not just me making it up as I go along, so right. much of it is influenced from where I come from and the people who were involved in my life. And Absolutely. it's like, you have to remember to give those people credit for it, the good and the bad. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We have to take both and uh, sift it and deal with it and uh, right. learn from it and keep going wow um so i have to call out something specific um one of the the my great memories from childhood is stephen king's it right that was a hugely important miniseries and you want to talk about like helping form your identity some of the things that you take in (laughs) what uh, uh an experience um, that has, I, I don't know in terms of like, in terms of what it was for you then, but in terms of the cult fan base that has followed it, I think you participated in the documentary that was shot about that. Didn't you? I did. Yes, I did. Yes. What? I mean, I, it, it has like, it, I grew up with that in terms of like what my perception of great horror and comedy put together can right, be with right, Tim Curry. Right. You're laughing yes. in one minute and you're. You're shaking in your boots, terrified the next. At least I was yeah. as a kid. How I mean, how, how has it been watching that fan base continue to persist over over 30 years? 
Well, it, it tells me what 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 you're saying is that it, it had such an impact on people's lives. And in fact, the people who were um, asking me to take part in the docu documentary, there was a lady involved. And she said, you know, I had nightmares because of you. <laughs> right. I had nightmares because of you. And I thought, oh, wow, I had no idea, right? I was just, you know, a young actor at the time. I just came in from Toronto. It was around 1990, I believe. I got in Vancouver, got to Vancouver around 1989 yeah. and yeah. got this part. And uh, I had no idea really what I was, you know, what I was getting involved in. Sure, I'll stand in a pond in an Air Force uniform. What's the problem? No big deal. Nah, the kids will love it. Whoa. Oh, they had to take me out there with a, you know, rowboat. Right. They, they rowboated me out there and they had a, obviously just under the water, they had built a platform yeah. that, I, that I stood on. And, uh, you know, I was out there and I, all the crew was on the shore and there was, a, a you know, Tommy Lee, the director and everybody yeah. and, uh, and the boy was there. And yeah. uh, there I was standing in front of that ominous looking edifice behind me there the where, sewer. I, where I lived, the sewer, yes, into the, the sewer cavern. Uh, so I had no idea at the time what I was uh, what I was involved in. And, and, and the impact it would have and the longevity and then the sequel and the documentary. And it was like, wow. So it was, uh, yeah. you know, and, I, and I, I continue to get royalty checks from it, you know, fairly handsome ones because, because of it, it's, it's still being sold, obviously, worldwide. Yeah, it's popular. There is something to be said about entertainment that captivates the imagination. And you, you don't necessarily know that it's happened. Sometimes you do, I'm sure, when you're shooting it. But yeah. other times it's a sleeper and it's like it comes down to not just the acting and, and, the, and your day on set, but also the editing and the music and everything that comes into play. Everything. What kind of entertainment, what movies or television have really captivated? Or Some, some actors don't watch either. Um, yeah. Is there any that really you have identified with over the years or you say, you know, that is something that made me feel something, you know, in terms of watching a, a film or a TV series, any well, many that of, you love. There, right. There are many, but uh, the Godfather, um, ah. uh, you know, part one, two, and three, I, uh, I love to watch. And just going back to what you were saying about, you don't know at the time you're making a movie, the impact it's going to have. I, I think I recall, Al Pacino saying, like, we didn't know, you know, what we were making here. We're just going to work and we're doing our doing our, our parts. And, 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 and Francis was directing and uh, we really didn't know the impact that it was going to have. And it, it sure did have an impact. And on me particularly, because everything, like you say, the music, the cinematography, the acting, uh, the, the wardrobe, uh, uh, wardrobe of the characters, Everything, the pacing, the tone, Coppola's direction just created yeah. a, a masterpiece there, which I love and just love to recite the <laughs> recite the, the dialogue of the characters, which I you know become more and more familiar with as I, as I watch it occasionally again. I hadn't known but, about it until Seinfeld. So it was always, never mess with a family, Jerry. And then I went and saw it. And I'm like, this is so good. It's like, no wonder it's referenced, you know, repeatedly throughout the years. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. And, you know, and, and, and the fight they had to have, like, Coppola yeah. to get, get Chino to play Michael Corleone. They didn't want him. And I, and, and I read recently that the kicker was for them the scene they shot because they weren't really, eh, when they were getting the early rushes, the studio heads were going, eh, I don't know, I don't know. We're going to yeah. pull the plug on this. I don't know. But when they saw the scene where Michael shoots the police captain, and uh, Salazzo, when they saw that, they went, oh, okay. Now they get it. They got it. They got yeah. it, yeah. Wow. 
Um, Steve, before we get into into make peace, is there any particular role that you can talk about that really hit you profoundly as a person in terms of the work, um, or was was it surprised you in, in a way that was unexpected? You mean with um, any role, or you specifically? Yeah, with any role. Roles I've played. Hmm. That's a good question. Wow, that's a, that's a loaded question. I know. I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, uh, I mean, Colonel Makepeace. He was just probably to date my biggest uh, military. Uh, foray into a military type role mm. which you know went five episodes and mm. uh i got to flush uh, and i did consequently many afterward military type characters and, and police captains and lieutenants and, mm-hmm. and, and police and whatever. travelers with brad again you know travelers yes yeah. travelers that's right um uh Bat Masterson, I played Bat Masterson. I, I did him twice, and he was a legendary lawman. He was a, a historical figure as well. He knew um, Wyatt Earp mm. and uh, those characters during the Wild West days. And one thing I learned about Bat Masterson that I didn't know and was surprised about was that he was actually born in Iberville County, Quebec. So he was uh, Canadian-born, ah, but Canadian. the family migrated, migrated south and... Uh, so that was fun. I mean, to to explore the Western genre. Yeah. Emotionally, I've done some emotional roles that um, I mean, I really had to dig into emotionally, which challenged me as an actor. And there were like episodic television type roles. But um, Street Justice was one where I um, there's a boy. My wife and I had a boy and <clears throat> the boy was being abused. And by all appearances, it, it, it appeared to be me. However, it ended up being the wife. And Carl Weathers was in that show. And I remember, you know, Carl in one scene where we were nose to nose challenging me about about that and, and me pushing back, but not really knowing how to defend myself. So Kid yeah, stuff, Street more. Justice. Street Justice, yeah. that's right. Street Justice. When when Stephen J. Cannell was in town here. Uh, he did a lot of episodic television, that being one, the commish being another I mean, back to Jump Street, which I yeah. did an episode of when I arrived in town. Oh, kind of a minor part. I just got here. But Johnny Depp, of course. Yep. Uh, and Peter DeLuise. And Peter DeLuise. Yeah. That's correct. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, I mean, I've done theater roles, too, which, uh, you know, um, were very, uh, to me, challenging and very ones I could really engage. Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. I've done some Shakespeare. Um, one particular role, it's really hard to pin down one particular role. It may, uh, it may be, you know, and I, I think, you know, that's a reflection of, um, the body of work that you've been privileged to do. You know, that's, yes. that's a, that's a good thing, you know, to be, to say that, you know, I've got, I've been, I've been blessed with a number of different things. It's hard to, it's hard to pick one. It's kind of like your child, you know, well, you're right. I get it. Like I'm a character actor in a leading yeah. man's kind of uh, body and maybe face, and that that's been a bit of a challenge too mm. uh, for me. Uh, but I am I'm a character actor. You know, before I got into acting, I was the guy with the group of friends who was doing the imitations and kind of you know acting acting out things and scenes and stuff in movies. And, you know, I was you know I'm a character actor. So as I get a little older now, a lot older 
actually. Um, <laughs> my birthday is um, coming up, actually. Happy June early 12th. birthday. Yes, thank there you very you much. Um, the door for character acting may get a little broader. <laughs> again, again, I don't know, but I kind of forced myself into character roles just by you know, the auditions I did and, and, and got the parts and, and I think did them largely justice. And thank you for saying privileged because, yeah, I do feel privileged to... Mm. I've had the opportunity to do what I've done. Colonel Makepeace. Your first yes. episode was Broca Divide. That's and, right. And uh, the episode where half the SGC went caveman. You caveman. among them. Um, <laughs> this was uh, the first appearance of the SG3 Marines. It wasn't That's just true. Air Force. And I, I love your... <laughs> I love the... Have it your way, flyboy. <laughs> Makepeace and O'Neill... We're never the best of friends. The two no. alpha males, you know, they would put yes. everything aside and, and work together. But I mean, and then later on with Into the Fire, make peace. Nice rescue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were some great beats between you and Rick. That was, I, I, I felt that one. That hurt a little bit. That one, <laughs> that one hurt me. And, and I think, uh, you know, I think Amanda Tongue-in-Cheek said, don't worry, it happens to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Richard Dean's a man, and I get it. You know, it's it's he, he, it's his show. He's, he's the ultimate top star of it. And a little tough for me to be uh, kneeling down there with my hands. Right, exactly. Me. You know, captured. after, uh, yeah, captured after so much, uh, you know, successful uh, fighting. Uh, but uh, anyhow, yeah, I just sucked it up. Whatever, but uh, yeah. Tell us about getting uh, make peace for that first episode for Broken Divide. Yeah, that's a good. Do I even remember that? They it was were looking Carol for Carol. some muscle, you know. They were needing yeah. people with with a can do attitude who could go through our our, our military types, you know, who could go through and, yes. and yeah. extract people in in difficult situations. Right. Um, you know, you you need boots on the ground. You know, you need extraction. You call the Marines. So well, that's it exactly. And, uh, you know, I, uh, Into the Fire was, uh, mm. that was, uh, you know, uh, that was, there was a lot going on there. And, uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of different scenes, a lot of different modes and um, a lot, lot of um, variety. And uh, Was Make Peace an know, audition? Yeah, I had to audition originally. And it okay. was, uh, was it the first one, Broke a Divide? Yep. And I, you know, I can't recall the audition particularly. And it was Carol Kelsey, who was mm. a supporter of mine, who called me in for that. And I got the part. And then uh, I think beyond that, what I heard, though I can't verify it, was that it was Martin Wood, who was part of the consultation uh, team, I believe, to develop the show further, who suggested that Colonel Makepeace be brought in to the show a little more and developed. And, and I believe that's how uh, Make Peace, you know, went on to, to do five episodes. I loved that the show, which which had four seasons right out of the gate, and then five guaranteed uh, almost right. immediately after that, was so committed to building on its own mythology, and that included the people uh, in front of the camera. It's like you know we haven't seen them in a while. Let's bring them back in. You know, are they advancing? Are they are they still doing their thing? And you were one of the reminders that this is potentially a real place. You know that we could be going about our day. I I often bring up and guests do too. You know we could we could be in the grocery store and 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 be passing by someone who could be going to some underground complex 
going to other planets and saving our asses week after week. And you just don't know. Right. These people are out there on other missions and it's not just SG-1. These people are out there doing a job too. So right. a vital job. Exactly. And I saw that in, in um, <clears throat> Into the Fire. It was the last one I did. It was a called Bear With Me. Shades of Grey. Shades of Grey. What a good episode. I want to get to that, but yeah. Into the yeah, Fire is another great episode for you. You have that opening shot running through the SGC upstairs. You know, right, right. That, I think that's the one I'm going to backtrack to, Sh- Shades of Grey. Mm. Yeah. But when Richard was supposedly retired, you know, when he was um, being reprimanded for stealing stealing yes. the device, and he was in retirement. There you saw that he, ha- he, he had a home, right? Yeah. It, was in a, it was in a neighborhood. It was... He had a chessboard. He had uh, a living room. He had, like you're saying, the um, the community of, of of Stargate wasn't only, you know, Stargate Command and the gate. It was a little outside of that as well, or a lot outside of that. And there, where as you're saying, people you wouldn't suspect are 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 involved, are are mm-hmm. you know involved in the cause, or, you know, have a cause, or yeah. What was it? Uh, can you can you tell me about the uh firearms training that you went through especially for into the fire where there's there's a there's a lot of fire or there's a lot of of weapons discharge mostly at force fields (laughs) but i imagine they didn't just hand this to you and say light them up you know i bet you had to go through some kind of training regimen oh absolutely and uh rob was the fellow and can i recall rob's last name Maybe not at this time. Rob, yeah, he was a former, as I understand, Canadian military guy who um, was our armorer and trainer. And I believe he had uh, quite a cachet of weaponry as well that he, you know, would lease to the show. And Rob Fournier. Show. Rob Fournier. There you yeah. go. Thank you. Absolutely. Yes, Rob Fournier. Very good. Um, yeah, so Rob was great. And he was very, um, very detailed and very committed and very safe and very, um, you know, reassuring and, and was very uh, concerned that you got it, what he was talking about and uh, showed you all the ins and outs of, of any weapon that you were, you were going to be firing and how it was going to work, how it was going to go. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I really appreciated Rob. Very nice guy, too. And, uh, yeah, there was some pretty heavy, heavy weaponry we were utilizing there. And, uh, I mean, it felt like, uh, you know, real warfare to me. It was, it was mm-hmm. lots of fun. And having so many guys, you know, to um, command, and you really felt part of, uh, part of a military unit. There is something to be said for when you are, are taught to respect a weapon and you put on the clothing and you're leading a unit – I imagine after that, it doesn't take much to really get into feeling that you are a part of this vast unit, you know, that's that's you know, ridding the galaxy of evildoers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it goes back to childhood, you know, boys playing army with, right. with toy guns. You know, this was it. This was on an advanced, sophisticated scale now. And it wasn't just the uh, wardrobe and the helmets and the weaponry. You had, you know, you had radio pieces mm-hmm. you had uh, communication devices you were in different situations um you were uh, you know the people were looking to you you were the commander you were the leader you had to uh own up to that you had to be that you had to you know uh, you know 
you had to portray that, you had to communicate that. And uh, to me, it was, uh, wow, cool. You know, Absolutely. I've never, been, never been in the army, but I am now. <laughs> right. You have to go through a lot of that, tra- the, a lot of the same training just to make it look right. You have to make it feel oh, right. Absolutely. So. Oh, and the hand signals as well. Yes. Was there. I have those hand signals there. They were all very, uh, very uh, accurate and realistic. What, what, an, what an army commander would use to 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 maneuver his troops troops and direct them. Yeah. For broke a divide. Did you have any facial makeup uh, done for you? I did. Do you recall what was that experience like? Well, it was pretty, you know, they just put the molding on and then, uh, you know, cover it. And then, you know, I think my brows were, you know, as Neanderthal-like, protruding somewhat. And uh, something in my face, I believe. My chin came out a little bit, but the, but the, the brow definitely and, and the um, accentuated forehead enlarged somewhat. I think it was all sort of prosthetics, and uh, if I recall, and... Uh, yeah, I think I was doing something with my mouth too to make me a little more kind of ape-like. <laughs> Do you recall? Were you uh, there on the set the day Rick uh, said they 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 showed him his his um, his forehead piece and he's like, "No, I'm not wearing that. Adjust it. <laughs> Let's. We can do better than that." Were you there that no, day? No, I, I wasn't there that day. I didn't catch that. Nor did I hear that story. But that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, you're executive producer, you know, um, you, you have, uh, uh, you, you have a, a certain level of, um, what's the word, that, a certain standard that you expect for your show. Your name is going to be on the top of it. Yeah. Well, you know, you have, you have a little bit of pull to do that. And Broken Divide is it, one of the more interesting episodes of Stargate SG1 for sure. Um, oh, really? but you know, you have to. The show was still figuring out what it is and what it wanted to well, say, exactly. how it was going to do it. You know? Exactly. And they had me in that uh, cage, in that, that prison cell. Yeah. It really took me back to theater school days. You know, some exercises we did in theater school were, you know, taking on an animal mm-hmm. and expressing an animal and getting into an animal uh, body, animal movements, animal behaviorisms. And I think that all came back that day to me, you know, to do the, the ape-like thing and, uh, you know, your school uh, opens the door for that to give you a bit of an orientation in that kind of work. The realization that Mansfield is a double agent. Um, were you told that when you were coming back? Did you read it first in the script? How was that uh, information given presented to you for the first time? And what was your reaction? Well, I... You know, to tell you the truth, the reading of the script was done at Bridges Studios, and it was a large table reading, and I hadn't seen the script at that point. And as I proceeded into reading the script and was learning about, you know, hearing about <clears throat> Richard Dean and what he's done and that he's going to retire, I was getting a little excited. I mean, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, are they maneuvering Makepeace here into the into the top spot? You know, could this be a more than just a five episode deal. Could this be, you know, could this be, you know, could I go six years with the show yeah. from here on in? And then as I read further and learned what my fate was, my heart began to sink, began to sink a little, sink a little. And I realized that this could be it for me. Uh. And, and I was, I was, I was disappointed. <laughs> Tell you the truth. I was, I was, oh man. Oh. 
So that's when I first learned that I was this, which to me, you know, as you sent me the, the links to the episodes and as I, I wasn't able to see all of them mm. like broken divide. I wish I had more time, but I did see um, shades of gray and into the fire. And uh, looking at those two, one, one preceding the other, and looking at those battle scenes, and when I'm with um, <clears throat> with um, Amanda and mm-hmm. Michael in, in the in the tunnels, and we're you know we're fighting together, and, and, I, and I'm getting them out, or you know, we're doing our best to deal with the situation. I mm-hmm. really thought, you know, well, we really kind of bonded there, mm-hmm. and and we really kind of liked each other. And then you know, in the last episode, uh, the one we're talking about. Um, I thought that all kind of went out the window. I mean, I didn't have much interaction with Tilk. He apparently doesn't seem to like me. You know, when I'm the Jaffa. Yeah. The Jaffa. Yeah. The Jaffa. Uh, he didn't, you know, uh, <clears throat> when I'm introduced to him as the new commander, uh-huh. um, Colonel, uh, that's okay. But with Amanda and Michael, there seemed to be also a little this consternation that I am going to be the new you uh-huh. know, head. And I thought, ah, does that really jive with, you know, the, the last episode which preceded it, where we seem like Adam, we seem to bond and seem to be fighting together, and so I don't know, really, you know, I guess I don't know about make peace why his his fate ended such, but well, I, you know, whatever, it's their show, they they do what they want and take it where they want, and but uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed. I can understand. I think one of the things that makes Shades of uh, of Grey so good as a story and one that's continually you know referenced throughout the rest of the show in one form or the other is that uh and uh, orville just just adapted that for their third season episode domino very similar you've got people who have been put in the line in the case of Maypiece, have been put in the line of fire so many times if someone says comes and says to you hey you know, I want you to be the one on our behalf to go out and get more technology to protect us, to protect yes. people like you yes. who are yes. going out in the line of fire. And in, in, I mean, in particular, an, invisib- an invisibility device, you know, yes. your guys may not have to die anymore. Yes. Now, putting the swearing an oath aside, uh, yes. you can understand how some people might feel that, you know what, if this can protect my guys... Make yeah, is still true to his convictions. He's about to get yes. court-martialed, but still at the same time, he firmly yes. believes that what he was doing was right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that's the, uh, that's that fine line. And then, you know, I was curious too about when I say, you don't know how, how high up this goes. Right. Did we ever go that high up to find out who those high ups were? Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? You know, my statement, who am I referring to? Did, did the show ever resolve that? Are you, are you asking me? Because I know the answer. Yeah. Ronnie well, Cox, Senator Kenzie. So, Senator Kenzie. Yeah. So right. He was chairman of the Appropriations Committee and had a special executive gag order placed on him to not disclose the Stargate uh, program. Um, but it was okay. at least to Very him good. and probably right. to many others. So there were right. people who were trying to um, – uh, and the rogue NID eventually called the trust, trying to subvert the SGC uh, to right. get the technology that they believed that they needed to protect the planet. Right. And at the same time, if we get a little something for ourselves along the side, well, oops. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that happens, doesn't it? You know, you, yeah. you know quite a bit about the show. You know, I, I you know, I did the episodes and, and, and watched the show, but probably not as closely as you. You know, I was busy doing other things and other shows and <clears throat> what have you. I mean, I would like to, as I said, continue with the show as Colonel Makepeace, but. Uh, hey, he could always come out of it. And it, you're referencing a couple of novels. Did you know that? I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Novels. There is. Yep. And which which books are they? <laughs> You can go and pick them up. It's SG-1's Insurrection and Hydra. Uh, Mayborn actually goes to Jack that says, you know, Makepeace may know some information on this one. And Jack goes to Makepeace in prison. Oh. I think they cut him a deal, you know, oh, to, for, to wow. make his, his uh, living conditions a little bit more comfortable. Uh, and Makepeace make <laughs> helps out. You know, Makepeace is a patriot, you know. Right. And, his, right, and exactly. regardless of, of how you agree with his tactics, that's what he believes. And, right. you know, that's just how. What is it like? playing a character with shades of gray you know right. is it is it far more interesting than just playing the straight up you know goody two shoes hero oh absolutely absolutely because you know you're a a little bit of a portrait of um i wouldn't say contradictions i mean to somebody looking at your actions i, I guess you seem that way but for yourself you've got to um You've got to maneuver, you know, in your mind uh, often and, and, and probably justify to people uh, who are aware of, you know, obviously, you know, as I had to with, uh, you know, <clears throat> Carter and uh, General mm -hmm. Carter and O'Neill in the end scene there, I had to justify what I've done. And, um, yeah, so that takes a little bit of um, in-depth, in-depth reasoning in-depth decision-making, um, sifting, what is, what is, you know, and, and again, it's all perspective, how you, mm -hmm. they value general, you know, the general valued the relationship with the, the alien nations where that's not as simple as that. Mm. It's not as simple as that. Make peace, you know, realize that it's not, it's not as simple as, well, he's a military man. He, he's a Marine. Perhaps he had, you know, different training in the matter. You know, their Marine training, Marine Corps training is a little more, red, SEAL training, of course, is even more intense, intense and demanding and, and, and requires, you know, that kind of resolve, I guess, resolve to do what's best, as you said, make peace a patriot, to do what's best for his country, to, to help them survive. Mm -hmm. uh, friendship is one thing, survival is another. And some friendships are not uh, as they appear. They may not, in fact, be friendships. They may be false friendships. They you may you might be being deceived, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. So it's it's a lot more interesting. It, it, it requires a lot more, um, I guess, imaginative, uh, in-depth reasoning. I think Stay. one of my favorite one of my favorite episodes is is Korai from season uh, one of SG One. And Teal'c is on trial on an alien planet for having uh, uh, committed crimes under Apophis. And Hammond takes the perspective for a moment that, you know, Teal'c served a regime that did some damned distasteful things. And then Rick, as Jack says, General, I have spent many years in the service of my country, and I have been ordered to do some damned distasteful things. Right. So there's a little bit of accountability there where it's like, you know, it's not black and white. Um, mm -hmm. And there is some greater good 
for better or for worse, um, yeah. that's being bandied about. And I can see how a person like Maypeace might be might be drawn into a situation where, you know, he didn't it was all about the mission. I'm being ordered to do this. I'm going to do it. I've been asked by someone whom I respect to do this. I'm going to do that. And then later steps back and goes, oh, maybe I'm now just for the first time thinking about it this way because right. all I was thinking about was my men and how can yes. I protect people the next time that yes. they get shot at. Right. Exactly. Well, it's men first, probably, you know, their, their, their loyalty first and foremost is to their immediate unit, I think. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, their country. But it's that individual fighting unit in the field that is really piece by piece, battle by battle, action by action, um, contributing to the uh, overall safety and good of the country. But it begins like, the, you know, the strength of a nation begins with the family. Mm -hmm. unit. So, you know, and, and like in, in the military, I, I think the same applies that the strength of the protection and safety of the nation begins with each military unit, mm -hmm. each, you know, and so make peace was, yeah, very much thinking about that as well, about the safety of his guys. He, you know, he's, he loves his guys. These mm -hmm. guys, they, they love their men. They are responsible for their men. They are, they, they want to protect their men. They want to keep them safe. They want to keep them alive. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so that's another thing that make peace would, would think to, uh, to justify some actions, which others may deem, you know, appropriate or legal or whatever. Mm -hmm. as, yeah. as the son of a Vietnam vet, um, uh, my father uh, flew uh, Hueys in Vietnam up until the day he retired in 2013. So I really get what you're putting down in terms of loyalty to one's men and, and to one's country. And so I think that in many respects, yours was a very, aside from the, uh, <laughs> the last few moments, was a very honest um, portrayal of, of yeah. some of the... Uh, some of the razors that we have to send out there to do the dirty work, you know, people, there, there are things that we ask our men and women to do that are not easy and they do often come home damaged as a result. Um, yes. We have to be there for them, you know, oh, they're not absolutely. asking to go. So no, no, they, they, they volunteered to go. Yeah. They're courageous people, brave and courageous people that would, would, would volunteer or sign up and, you know, go through the training and actually go, I asked myself, you know, Steve, you know, I mean, they wouldn't send me now, <clears throat> but as a young man, I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, wow, that's, that's a big decision to make. And that's such a huge commitment to make, mm. to, to, to go fight for your country or defend your country or protect your country. That's huge. Mm. It's huge. So at and the end, yeah, go, I'm sorry, finish your thought. Well, I'm just saying we do have to, um, we do have to honor that and, 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 and uh, just uh, appreciate that and, and to treat them with just the utmost respect for having, having done that. Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. to ask you, Steve, just as, as, as Steve Mackay, um, yes. do you consider make, what Make Peace did? Uh, or, or do you consider him a patriot or a traitor or both? Ah, uh, good question. I, uh, just you, your, you yourself as a person with your beliefs yeah, and your as, ideals and as, values. As a person, what, what, what would I do? Well, I consider myself, you know, an ethical person. I uh, consider myself, uh, you know, a moral person. Um, wow. Sifting what Makepeace had to sift, consider 
by acting or not that way. <clears throat> I would say, wow, is it, I mean, wow, you really have it's to not be an easy it. answer. You know, it's not an easy answer. You'd have to be in it to really know, you know, I've never been in such a situation like that, uh, like that, with those ramifications, right? With that, the scope of those considerations to make. And, you interspecies uh, relations writing on this decision. Right, exactly. Um, when, it, when, when the stakes get that high, when you, when you amplify the stakes to that height, I would say he's he's a, he's a he's a patriot first. I mean he's he's a, he's acting from experience as well. I think you know it's he knows he's not coming to this decision lightly or arbitrarily mm -hmm. or without any any experience in the matter. I mean he sees things that maybe other people don't see. Or, yeah, or can't see. Don't have the experience to see. Right, and he went on missions we didn't see. Well, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, don't judge another man until you walk in his shoes, yeah. as the saying goes, right? So I would say, I'd say he's a patriot first. Wow. I think you could make similar arguments for people like Julian Assange or Edward Snowden, you know, when, you're, when they're looking right. at situations like, I have information. I believe that this information is important. It, it, it's as, not not one to one ratio, but I mean, yes. you know, we're dealing with technology in one hand, whereas another hand, we're dealing with with information and what the what the public should and shouldn't know. But um, I think it's important that we ask those questions and that we have those conversations with uh, with one yes. another, and and don't just say, "Well, <laughs> you're clearly wrong." You know, it's not yes. that simple. You know, right? So, no, it's not that simple. No, no, it's not. I mean, some people are willing to let it slide and just, you know, people are distracted by their busy lives and, and don't have the um, desire or the ability to focus on, you know, matters of that weight and, 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 and ask to, to know the truth, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, we're all different. We're all different perspectives on things. And it's those, I guess, with a little bit of experience in the matter or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe... Um, have been conditioned a little bit to think that way or to mm. want to probe into those, those kind of matters that uh, ask those questions and who, you know, want to, want to enter into the, into the, into that fray and, and, and sort of, you know, root out the truth as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of um, um, barriers to that, of course, and maneuvering that goes on. I mean, so many people involved and so many, you know, individual machinations of everybody's individual mind going this way and that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, you know, truth is um, elusive. Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, get to it? I <laughs> honestly, somebody, yeah. Go ahead. I say somebody, somebody knows, you know, somebody yeah. I, I think knows, or maybe they don't that somebody or somebody's maybe they don't even know. I, I don't know, but it starts somewhere. The ball gets rolling from somewhere. He he honestly doesn't strike me as a person who was uh, trading this, um, uh, doing this dirty work in exchange for a house in the south of France. Or you know, no, he, he honestly no. strikes me as someone who wasn't doing it for an extra payday of some 
some regard. He was doing it because he believed it was right. Now that may not be the case. He there may I mean there may have been like a, a darker intent with him. But I personally, from what I, I personally don't feel that that's the case. No, particularly if you look at again the the, the preceding episode. Mm-hmm. I think my performance there yep. portrays a man who was is a committed military man who is he, he you know he he listens to, to carter she has a suggestion he, mm-hmm. he's willing to follow up on it he's uh he's concerned about them he's concerned mm-hmm. with you know getting them out of there he's concerned with his men he's concerned you know so yeah i think that episode really shows who who, who the man is where, In, where his integrity lies absolutely <laughs> into the fire that first scene where where they're in the gate room and don says as hammond okay anyone who's going to help us to rescue sg1 volunteer take one step forward and they all do and and cool. you turn and look at at the general and it's, and it's like without without surprise or shock on his face it's like we're here to do the job exactly. you want us to do it we're going to do it you know exactly no question. And here we go. And even, you know, and Hammond even, even, even precedes uh, the stepping forward challenge with, you know, he, he, he says how tough it's going to be. Doesn't he say and some of you might not come back? Or, yeah. Something along yeah, those lines for sure. Something like that. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that really presents it as a very dangerous uh, situation. And yet that's what we're trained for. And that's, that's, that's what we're going to do. You know, without question, we're, we're going. And, and that moment to me, you know, when I watch it, I'm moved. I'm moved yeah. by that. Yeah, I moved and stepped forward and, and Hammond and, and he's so good. Oh, in that Don. Scene. Don is so, and Don passed away, didn't he? He did. Well, do you have a memory oh, of him? Oh, I do. I just, 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 I don't know. Just, just such a, Generous guy, you know, just generous with his his person and his his communication to you, and and just so um, classy, classy guy, you know. And I was so so sad to hear that he that he passed away. I, I was, and then when I watched the episodes there, you sent me the links to again. I thought of them again and thought, ah, that's too bad, you know. Yeah, great talent, and, and yeah, and someone oh, well, who you completely it, believe is someone who would be there to to. to to keep the light on for the people out there waiting for them to come back home. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Caring guy, a, a fatherly figure, mm-hmm. you know, in the show. And uh, yeah, loved on. Yeah. Did you know that uh, in Stargate universe, uh, they named their new spaceship af- after him? Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. I, awesome. I, I, I think he would have been proud of that. So I have, I have the model of her. Where is she? Right oh. there. That's, oh, that's, yeah. that's the USS, USS George Hammond. So, nice. yeah. Um, Steve, I've got some, uh, some fan questions for you before we wrap you up. Is that okay? Okay. All right. Um, I, I guess we, 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 okay. Well, General Maximus, Mac Boland's conscious. They asked, where do you stand on the morality of your character? Is he a bad guy or was he doing the right, the wrong thing for the right reason? I think we've really answered that. Yeah. Um, I apologize. I'm going to screw this up. XIX spaced IXI. I'm, I'm not even going to try. I apologize. What's your, do you speak Slovak by any chance? I wish I did. I don't know if that person asking is Slovak. I wish I did. Unfortunately, and I often think, not to be too critical of my parents, but they spoke, my father spoke Polish, my, my mother spoke Slovak to each other. They could understand each other. And I've often thought growing up, what a waste of a language that the only time they spoke it is when they didn't want us children to hear what right. they were saying 
It's going to get and lost. I like, what a waste of a language. I wish today that I spoke Slovak and that they, they taught me that. Anyhow, no, I don't. I, I know a few. Nanya is nam, which means I don't know. <laughs> Nanya is nam. I know that. Why? <laughs> Nanya is nam Slovak. <laughs> Uh, Philip Cannot, if asked, would you come back for the next iteration of Stargate, whatever Amazon is is cooking up with MGM? And what kind of role would you prefer? Uh, in a heartbeat, I'd come back. Actors always looking for work. And uh, love to come back is Colonel Makepeace. Love that. I would love that. So uh, I have heard rumors that there, there, there's talk of that. There Children. is talk of something. Yes. And everyone yes. loves a good redemption arc. It happened with Mayborn. There you go. So, absolutely. There you go. There you go. Uh, Jacob Olihars, have you ever visited Poland? I'm originally I from there myself. Oh. Jacob no, says. No. Thank you, Jacob. I have not. I have been to Europe. I have not visited Poland. And that's on my uh, to-do list. Can you, uh, yeah, well, or if you can get back and recommend uh, a good place to visit. I mean, other than Warsaw, but right. <laughs> you know, get back to me and let me know. I, I appreciate it. Pamela Terachek, uh, between Into the Fire and Shades of Grey, I, I think you also kind of answers this too. So there was no hint at the the twist that, that that was coming. You didn't get it until the table read. That's right, the table read. Yeah, at Bridges Studios. That uh, that fateful day. Uh, again, I felt uh, disappointed. Uh, Excited and then disappointed, uh, you know, but... Uh, Here's the like thing. I Not many that... people get to command SG-1. Well, there so you go. That too. So you can't... There, There is there is that that feather in your cap too. There's a, lot, a landmark milestone there for sure, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think... Uh, oh, someone's else asking me how my trip was. I've, I've been out of town for like, I think that's for me. Steve, this has been a real treat. What you got going on? Uh, will, will we be seeing you in anything soon? Are you taking a break? What's what's going on for you right now? Well, I'm taking a little bit of a break. I don't know if you know the audition um, process has kind of changed with COVID. Yeah. You may, maybe you're familiar with that. The self-tape yeah. uh, thing is going on. And I just did one before we uh, we got online here for a Christmas movie. Um, lately, I've done another movie of the week called uh, Boat One for Love. Um, the Kidnapping of Abby Hernandez, Girl in the Shed, I think they also call it, I was in. Um, I did a Riverdale not too long ago. Okay. Riverdale. Mm -hmm. I was a, kind of a bad guy, a rum runner. Uh, Jinx Malloy, episode uh, year, season four, episode 18, I think it was. Um, yeah, so, you know, we keep casting. The thing about the self-tape um, uh, phenomenon now is that it's really opened the door, I think, to a lot more people sending them. Like when we first started doing them, I thought, well, now everybody and his brother can send one, right? Because they just, their files sent to the casting offices. And, uh, you know, they vet them. They have a, you know, a couple of assistants, I think, vetting them. But I'm sure there's a, a glut coming in from anywhere in the world, really. So the competition, I think, is greatly increased. So whatever, but you know, it's, it's kind of good to uh, help refine your chops. I was going to a studio and doing them, uh, but now I'm back to kind of doing them at home and I have a little system where I hook up with a friend in Toronto, an actor friend, and uh, we have a little system of doing it and uh, you can do as many takes as you like. Right, exactly. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Your speed. 
you know? As long no, as you got it, someone read it. lines with you, then you're good. Well, exactly. I did it right here where I'm talking to you. <laughs> too long, but a couple hours ago, I did it for a fatherly type character. But uh, yeah, I was also do music as well. I've been writing songs for many years as well. It's kind of a hobby that I take seriously. I keep doing that. It's. Imp- I think it's so important to have... Um, multiple pots to dip into you know i mean because it's 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 often as an actor feast or famine you know and you've got to have other got to have other things to because not everything's going to be a home a home run i can't get all of them so what are you going to do in the meantime you know it's 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 good that you've got stuff so absolutely this has been this has been great steve i really appreciate you uh taking the time i appreciate alec for connecting us um and uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I really thank you for adding your voice to one of the more pivotal oh, characters right. earlier in SG One's run. And thank you for persisting to get me to do it. I know I, cause I, I I did one before and I felt a little uncomfortable. What you kept at me and on me, and uh, I finally said okay, okay. <laughs> and, I, and I appreciate that because it's been a lot of fun, David. I've enjoyed talking to you and answering your questions and reliving and, and uh, those days. You know, the twenty. 22 years ago now. People but, still uh, talk about him. You know, you you made a mark. And this is well, this is an important well, show in the pantheon of sci-fi. So, you know, I just well, I want to thank you. You know, it means, well, means a lot you. to have thank, you. Thanks for having me on. I wish I did more of those conventions. I only did one in Richmond, uh, Doug Arthurs, uh, who did the show, invited me to. And he said, well, I said, well, what do I do? I, I've never been to one. He goes, well, get some pictures printed. And so I showed up there with my wife and my, my two young sons, and I was met with Kurt, uh, my security liaison. I said, wow, I need a security liaison here. <laughs> I walked into the Richmond, Richmond Convention Center, and the place was packed with people. And I think that was really GateCon, weird. wasn't it? I think I may have been yeah. at that one. Well, so, really? Yeah, you guys, you guys, they're, they're clawing at you there, man, you know? They well, want I'll, something I'll, themselves, I'll, so they'll make peace. I'll jump on board if anybody wants to have me, have me uh, visit another one. Well, you know what, GateCon, I'm I'm hopeful that there will be another one, and uh, uh, we will we will if that is the case, uh, I'll make sure that they reach out to you. So awesome, David, you've been awesome, spectacular. Thank you Thank for you your time, much. sir. Thank you. Thank you. You take care of yourself, okay? Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Steve Mackay, Colonel Makepeace yes. in Stargate SG One. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Uh, so, uh, just before we let you go, if you uh, enjoyed this content, uh, please be sure to hit that uh, uh, like button and share this uh, with your friends. Coming up, we have. Let me pull up the schedule here. Brian J. Smith, Matthew Scott in Stargate Universe, and also Linux, currently airing uh, as Linux in Class of 09 on FX. I believe that's on Hulu. He's joining us Saturday, June the 10th, uh, right here on uh, Dial the Gate. So uh, be sure to to join us for that. And then we have a pre-recorded show after that. Sorry about all the, the bells and dinging. We have the Stargate exhibit of Empire Movie Props, and that is going to be June the 10th as well at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, June 14th, Wednesday, Steve Basic is going to be joining us, Major Coburn and Camulus, and Stargate Trivia 9, hosted by Colin Cunningham, Saturday, June the 17th. And I actually just got confirmation, uh, Gwyneth Walsh. You may know her as Bator in Stargate and Star Trek: The Next Generation, but we know her as Queen Egeria. Uh, she's going to be joining us uh, as well uh, in the next uh, uh, 
probably uh, 10 days here, uh, 14 days. So uh, we will uh, be getting you that information as we move forward. Thanks again to Steve McKay for, for joining me for this episode uh, and for Anthony for uh, – uh, doing the the moderating he's he's really been hitting it out of the park lately and uh, anthony you have no idea how much i appreciate you just uh coming in and 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 pulling these things off uh thanks to my producer linda gate gabber fury and to frederick marku at concepts web uh keeping the the site up and running got a lot heading your way before we close out season two we're gonna get to that 200th episode pretty soon and and still uh, still you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do for it. I've got some ideas, but uh, some stuff's definitely happening. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate. I appreciate uh, you all tuning in, and we will see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo designed by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.